these partnership opportunities for new and emerging clean energy uh, sector opportunities is one way to do that. It's, it's We say it's one way to achieve economic reconciliation along with environmental reconciliation. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of Electricity Canada. This is episode 082, number 82 of the Flux Capacitor. This episode was recorded in mid-September 2023 on Zoom. My guest today is... Guy Lonechild, Chief Executive Officer of First Nations Power Authority. Happy to be with you today. Guy joined me for a conversation about the genesis and role of First Nations Power Authority, nuclear is part of our energy future, the critical role Indigenous people must play as real partners in the energy transition, and the need to ensure that those partnerships are genuine and not performative. We talk about the barriers to meaningful partnerships, some good news stories on accessing capital, and the importance of addressing the future talent requirements today. We close the discussion with Guy's book recommendation. Here is my conversation with Guy Lonechild. Guy, it's great to finally get you on the podcast. We've been talking about this for a while, uh, but our, our schedules either didn't align or, uh, or or Air Canada intervened as it did back in in June, and I, again, I, and I wasn't able to get to your uh, to your your big event in Saskatoon this year. Um, but I understand it, I understand it went well and it was a success once again. Absolutely, the. Um... The event was one where we started off in uh, in a with a ceremony and yeah. traditions and protocols of First Nations, uh, uh, all Indigenous people across the country. It, it, this is really a new era of, of really examining and re-examining our place in the country and indeed the world and Indigenous worldviews, Indigenous intermediaries like the First Nations Power Authority mm-hmm. bring that special something. Uh, at least we've been told, bring that special something to the way we organize and, and gather and discuss very important topical issues like energy security, food security, watt security, and a whole host of rights uh, issues, rights-related issues across the country. Uh, FNPA has been at the forefront, I think, of bringing together Indigenous perspectives around cleaner energy uh, future discussions and uh, or again, no, no stranger to Electricity Canada mm-hmm. and you, Francis, for helping to uh, advance the dialogue where meaningful engagement is is become a reality. Uh, meaningful participation economically, uh, mm-hmm. the workforce transition, the skill development, and the knowledge that's required to communicate what those opportunities are. Uh, FNPA is proud to play just a small part of a group of many uh, gathering voices across the country. Yeah, maybe for the the listener, if you could talk a little bit about like what was the um, the, the genesis of FNPA? Uh, so how did it start? Uh, what kind of what was what what, what triggered the uh, the creation of the organization? We have to go way back. I'll I'll be quite frank. In in the early two thousands, I was a young politician, 
hired or elected, I should say, not hired, but elected at the <laughs> Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations at the time, recognizing that oil and gas and fossil fuels were damaging our environment, uh, struck a, a task force of alternative energy that, that focused on the traditional renewables that you and I know so well in wind and solar and hydro development. Fast forward to 2010, approximately 2010, we had a, a very uh, important conversation going on around the acquisition of natural resource assets in the province, namely potash resources and the Chinese wanting to build uh, infrastructure for their own purposes oh, and their yeah. own uses around food, food security. Hmm. Uh, I said, no, I said, these are natural resource strategic assets of the First Nations of Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. The government of Canada and the government of Saskatchewan has no right to sell these assets to uh, foreign nationals without contemplating what this means for Indigenous rights and, and our relationship with Canada. Hmm. And so there was a bit of a compromise here. Uh, the the Sask power minister responsible at the time uh, said, okay, how can we help chief? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we want to be involved in the provincial economy in meaningful ways. The electricity sector was one avenue to do that where long-term power purchase agreements were, I guess, on the table for discussion. Right. That's the first nation's power authority was created in 2011 with a memorandum of understanding with the then middle Lake tribal council. So it was really, really a genesis, I think, of of a number of conversations that led to, you know, in 2023, we're celebrating our 12th, well, 11th, well, just finishing up our 11th year of operations. Right. Uh, got got lots of lots of conversations on the go now. Now new nuclear and conventional mm -hmm. nuclear. Mm -hmm. we're very interested in in uh, in contemplating equity participation as a whole host of other other opportunities that uh, that might be had. Right. Well, I, I, I'm familiar with FNPA, but I, I didn't know the backstory, and I and I didn't know potash was part of that backstory. It, it and and it's 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 the same that holds true for uh, precious metals and uh, strategically uh, things that are happening in the ring of fire. You're seeing um, people get their backs up against the wall because there's still yeah. not clean water and uh, clean land, and many of a mining. Uh, and oil and gas and other reclamation activity that's going on. But there's, 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 I think an understanding that if we're going to really do this uh, effectively in Canada, we need to ensure that there's environmental protection, mm -hmm. that uh, social issues uh, that are affecting first nations communities in the country uh, are looked after. And uh, these partnership opportunities for new and emerging clean energy uh, sector opportunities is one way to do that. It's, it's we say it's one way to achieve economic reconciliation, right? Along with environmental reconciliation, <laughs> uh, and those two those two issues go hand in hand. And, and ultimately, FNPA has been at the forefront of trying to bring that conversation to uh, to a meaningful place. Yeah. Hey, you know, one of the things that uh, the, the the listener uh, has has commented on in the past is they they appreciate when I ask people about their journey. Uh, and so I, I think, and, and I know a little bit about your journey, and I've, I've always found it really interesting, the conversations that we've had, but like you mentioned, um, you know, the, 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 the role you previously had with the Saskatchewan Federation, but, uh, you know, when you were, when you were a kid growing up, is, is this what you dreamed of doing or, or was it actually, you know, um, winning uh, some kind of golf championship? <laughs> I wanted to be the next Phil Mickelson or, uh -huh. 
or the next Tiger Woods. Actually, Tiger's a little bit younger than I am, but then I certainly uh, grew up uh, watching Jack Nicklaus and, and others uh, win Masters Championships galore. Yeah. Went to the San Diego Golf Academy, moved to California, played a few uh, tour events, uh, the Golden State Tour, got to a plus two handicap, uh, low score of 64 in a tournament, and and uh, just five hole-in-ones later, I'm, I'm still wanting to be that uh, senior <laughs> champion now today. And uh, I know I'm not going to make it, Francis, but uh, there's there's no there's no harm in at least dreaming about uh, about a golf future for myself. Yeah. In, all, in all honesty, I'm <laughs> I'm happy to happy to be where I'm at. I'm blessed. I love the people I work with. Uh, yeah. the, the clean energy community and renewable energy and nuclear have been so uh, open and open with open arms. I think for for people like me who kind of reinvented themselves mm-hmm. from say a, a, a golf. Uh, industry uh person to uh i actually spent some time in oil and gas development and worked for a company in downtown calgary mm-hmm. um so I've, i'm no, i'm no stranger to the natural resources sector right uh, some time with myers norris penny chartered accountants mm-hmm. and my own community uh served served at my own community level as well so my journey has been so diverse mm. um, my, my passion is community yeah um, my hope here is that we can create energy security uh, conversations to become reality for many Indigenous communities who who suffer with the high costs of diesel to be transported to their communities mm-hmm. in the far north. Mm-hmm. And right here, close to home in in Estevan, is uh, to replace coal with uh, with nuclear one day. That's that's something that would be uh, right. ultimately transforming for the region as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so let's yeah let's talk a little bit about the the FNPA. You you, you gave us a, a a bit of background in terms of kind of where it uh, where it it came from. Um, what's its kind of role and focus today? Because it's it's evolving. You're as you noted, it's more than a decade in now. You're growing, um, and 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 uh, as as both the footprint of the organization grows, so does it fo- its focus, right? Well, I have to admit, I'm not sitting in Estevan, Saskatchewan. I'm sitting in the down, uh, downtown Toronto, um, meeting <laughs> with the Ontario chiefs, uh, meeting yeah. with the uh, Ontario Power Generation. I met with our good friend Ken Hartwick yesterday. Yep. Right. We we really to become a new a, a nuclear uh, jurisdiction in Saskatchewan have mm-hmm. to learn from the best, and the best mm-hmm. is really those nuclear operators like Bruce Power, like the Ontario Power Generation. And so we're hammering out a deal to to start taking a look at an internship program of say twenty uh, indigenous folks uh, that would be willing to come work in Ontario, work in various aspects, uh, talking with McMaster University with their uh, research reactor there, and how we can create a, a learning center of excellence around uh, new nuclear and uh, and really start opening up the conversation to to young people who've never really had uh the opportunity to work or even contemplated a career in that so so that's one aspect of the we 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 are doing energy efficiency for 70 first nations in this province as well around retrofits for the community building so it's not just about clean energy generation but we're talking about the entire spectrum of uh energy uh development and and energy efficiency is a great way i think to start conversations around capacity building that capacity We'd like to take these learnings from Ontario, uh, Francis, and and really uh, start opening up conversations about what FNPA does in Saskatchewan, which is the procurement of 
indigenous-led power uh, generation opportunities. And so we've had some conversation with BC Hydro. They came out to our strategic mm -hmm. planning session a couple of weeks ago in Calgary. Right. Uh, we're reopening up our office in Calgary. Mm -hmm. I have a small office in East York, uh, Ontario. Uh, we're talking with the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs next month in October about developing and helping to develop a power authority in that province. Right. And then, and even more recently is how do we look at the export of power north and south of the border? Because we know we have a lot in common mm -hmm. around our energy future, north and south. Uh, we think that there's opportunities for multi-nations and collaboration. FNPA can help to provide to, to uh, groups of First Nations through our industry partners uh, mm -hmm. in Canada. Okay. Wow. So, so well beyond, uh, well beyond Saskatoon and, and, and Estevan. Um, so well beyond. Yeah. And, and what are the, what are the, the some of the, uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, this potential internship project um, in Ontario in the nuclear space. What are some of the other, some of the other uh, significant projects that, uh, that FNPA is involved in? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the, the one project that we we think is is uh, is sort of near and dear to our hearts yeah. is is right right close to home right right in Saskatchewan we're we're going through the throes of developing um, uh, both wind and solar opportunities uh, SMR ownership opportunities so okay. up to twenty five percent ownership of an SMR fleet in the province we've been chatting with uh, our premier. Scott Moe about putting together uh, a group of First Nations uh, that would own up to 25% of fleets in, in the province. Um, <laughs> we've advanced uh, the work of the Indigenous Advisory Council on SMRs. We're, we're now going through our third year uh, over uh, next four years of, of continuing that work with Natural Resources Canada. Um, Got invited to the Nuclear Energy Agency at the end of the month in Paris, France, to kind of tell the Indigenous story. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many things that are regarding Indigenous people around the world, Francis. Uh, the question I would have, and, and maybe this is an opportunity for a Team Canada approach to export our learnings around SMRs, is mm -hmm. why, why don't we protect biodiversity and very important places like the Amazon rainforest. And instead of building large dams, let's look at micromodular development and SMR development in other countries. Mm -hmm. We know that uh, Canada is playing a lead role, the United States are, and the UK are playing a lead role in the work we're, we're doing in these three countries, but certainly an indigenous um, uh, focus on providing energy security solutions for other parts of the, the, the globe are, yeah. are not something we're not, not thinking about. Yeah, I know. I know. OPG uh, is expecting to to uh, bring their first SMR uh, on uh, into service in twenty twenty eight. What's your time frame, at least with respect to um, Saskatchewan and uh, right. you know the the how you would like to see things roll out uh, in in partnership in Saskatchewan? How far down the track uh, do you figure that kind of a development is 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 going to be? It's a it's around a sort of a twenty thirty five time frame with a with investment decision uh, by SAS Power uh, by twenty twenty nine. Right. Um, so we've got a long way to go there. Uh, we always kind of joke around the table. We're not necessarily doing this for ourselves. We're really doing this for the next generation yeah. of leaders. And so, 
yeah. that's why we want to get uh, into the old PG and start uh, mentoring some young people to kind of take this to the next level. Um, but the, the conversation has to happen now around the workforce transition. And right. so right. we, we, we've, we've had this conversation, Francis, uh, advocates like yourself and many others who, who see this as a real time crunch, especially in, in jurisdictions that are not uh, operators of nuclear facilities. Uh, the, the training needs to happen now. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to actually look in a very serious way at indigenous participation. And so uh, we just got off the call with Natural Resources Canada just just uh, just before I joined here, and it's it's about putting this uh, commercialization ideas on the table, mm -hmm. so that Indigenous people can actually, uh, not in a performative way, but in a real and substantial way, become owners, operators, and maintainers of these facilities. Yeah, and innovative projects and and partnerships with GE Hitachi or Terrestrial Energy or. Uh, even even the can do owners group. Uh, there's there's lots that we can do around uh, providing Canadian uh, energy security solutions right here at home. We just have to look in our backyard. Yeah, and that's that's a term that you've used before uh, when we've when we've chatted in the past. That it, it can't be performative. It has to be it has to be uh, real participation. Ab absolutely. Uh, I, I think I think in the in my message to the federal ministers today, Minister Jonathan Wilkinson and others, is don't come into Saskatchewan on a Saturday and uh, make an announcement of seventy four million dollars unless you have the province there, uh, SAS power there, but yeah. also importantly, Indigenous people. Yeah, because it's it's the lands and the territories and the in the treaties were signed with First Nations people, and 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 we can't forget that uh, there will be no nuclear in Canada without meaningful Indigenous participation. We've always said that, maintain that. It can't mm -hmm. be performative. It's, mm -hmm. It has to be real and tangible. And that, and that applies to more than, than simply nuclear. I mean, that, that message is about any major uh, infrastructure development, right? I mean, this, is, this, this, needs, to be, this needs to be done in, 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 in real partnership. That's right. We, we, we think that uh, small jurisdictions like Saskatchewan certainly do need the federal government to, to play their part. Um, but we want to bring innovative solutions to SAS power also. Mm -hmm. I was meeting with one uh, industry representative this morning for breakfast, and was, she, she was talking about why don't we start taking a look at joint ownership of major transmission that goes from, say, mm -hmm. North Dakota into uh, Saskatchewan and start positioning Indigenous people as buyers and sellers and transporters of, of electricity north right. and south. And so those are the types of things that uh, we want to talk to our, our brothers and sisters uh, south of the border and to see if there's opportunities for FNPA to expand in the United States in the, in the near future also. So this is early, early days in terms of talking about cross-border, but... Very early days. Uh, meeting with Rupin next, next week on uh, the 22nd to, to kind of pitch a few ideas and hmm. socialize things, and we'll see where it goes. Right. Interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you see as the bigger the 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 the, the bigger barriers in terms of of trying to um, you know get be, get beyond first off uh, performative approaches and have real partnerships, but also getting some of these projects actually up and and uh, and and off the ground. What do you see as the kind of the big roadblocks ahead that we need to be aware of and figure out what our, our way around? Yeah. I, I look at the the roadblocks in terms of um, the utilities. Um, some utilities are more progressive than others. Mm -hmm. 
so it's it's bringing these um and i want to go back to ontario again because i've spent a good amount of time here in the last few uh years right is let's find and alberta for example alberta's got a a uh, very proud history in terms of making equity participation work mm-hmm. uh, in the oil and gas sector. Um, we've got some of the most progressive-minded leaders leadership table. We need that to happen around the cabinet tables, around provincial cabinets, right. uh, and those who uh, make the decisions uh, in the various uh, parts of the country. And I think mm-hmm. I think if we can get uh, less of the um, standoffish type uh, relationships that do exist between some provinces and territories and see that as an opportunity um indigenous investment will happen with uh, with meaningful indigenous equity participation but right now i think we're we're still a little bit uh behind uh the eight ball if you will on on uh making making that a reality so i think i think we still have a a big rock to push uphill mm-hmm. um but uh without it we're not building the 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 infrastructure we need in canada uh, right. whether that's east-west tie lines or whatever or energy corridors we have to see indigenous people as true indigenous partners and i'm not sure every provincial uh government uh, sees it the same way mm-hmm. yeah what about access to capital is 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 that uh is that going to be a, a an issue or a problem or have we started to figure out our, our way around that the 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 I really like the model the Alberta Indigenous Opportunities Corporation is putting forward. They they've upped their ante to a two billion dollar loan guarantee fund. Mm-hmm. That significantly helps to attract lower cost capital uh, right. opportunities. We have the First Nations Finance Authority, who we met with in Calgary last two weeks ago now, mm-hmm. and they go to the bond market and they they look at uh, lower cost uh, uh, financing options for large and small infrastructure. And so we see the FNFA and the First Nations Financial Management Board, very pro- progressive in- institutions that are run by Indigenous people, bring the capital markets to, to the doorsteps of Indigenous communities who are registered borrowers. And then there's the Canada Infrastructure Bank. We, we still have mm-hmm. an ongoing uh, conversation to have with them around how do we build development capacity and and maybe spending a little bit of money and making that as as an investment, not necessarily a loan, <laughs> help to uh, progress uh, the conversations as to why it's important to have access to capital programs in a variety of uh, of institutions uh, that could collaborate uh, to make equity investment a reality. And I just want to just underscore: equity investment puts us in the the driver's seat. It doesn't it doesn't make us a passenger on the bus, Francis. Right. Right. And so when we're decision makers, when we're when we're uh, more than just uh, stakeholders, but we're rights holders that actually have a stake, an equity stake, that makes all the difference in the world. And I think that opens up, again, opportunities from Alberta to Ontario and 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 uh, imports that into places like uh, like Saskatchewan and New Brunswick, who desperately need uh, a new approach uh, mm-hmm. with Indigenous folks. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you said earlier uh, when we were when we were chatting about um, your 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 big event that was in Saskatoon, um, I, I uh, was able to attend it last year, but I wasn't able to make it this year. Um, but, you know, you talked about uh, traditions and protocols. Uh, and I, I noted that um, uh, last year when I, when I attended that event, um, it's how you start the 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 the, the whole conference. 
it, it struck me that 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 was that was important and critical uh, that 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 was um, yeah. th sort of the the very beginning before we did anything else. Um, we began with the with the protocols and the traditions. Is that is that kind of the, the sort of the way you you've always approached that? I, I was I was lucky to to learn that from in in uh, in the protocols traditions and the customs of our institution called the Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations, and even prior to that, my own upbringing uh, at White Bear, we've we've always been one where we're we're uh, we're a spiritual being. Um, we we have to set the tone. We have to do things in 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 the presence of the Creator and and. When we either break bread or have feasts in the communities, we have to do so in a open and, and very giving way. And and uh, I've 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 just always been taught that leadership is is also about love and respect mm -hmm. and dignity and showing that towards Indigenous folks where they're comfortable and making having that safe ethical space for dialogue to happen and to open up new opportunities uh, has been the key to to our success. And so we'll continue to do, to do that uh, going forward. And, and hopefully others, uh, non-Indigenous organizations and conferences as well. I've, I've noticed the CNA doing some really fabulous things and others, uh, Electricity Canada and others. Um, having and inviting an Indigenous elder to open up uh, the session mm -hmm. is a fantastic way to do it because we're really inviting you into our territories, into our, our treaty lands. Mm -hmm. And so it's 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 turning colonization on its head and mm -hmm. really trying telling the true history of Canada as not not as maybe we've learned in a book or in school, but uh, from from the teachers that are that are libraries today. They're walking libraries, and and we really need to mm -hmm. to, to take that guidance from from elders. And yeah, I, I think it's been a key to to helping bridge sort of the divide between misunderstandings of the past. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just kind of do a compare and contrast of of other events, um, just general general uh, industry events and, and conferences where there's a, a land acknowledgement uh, at the very beginning, and then you kind of move on from there. Right. As opposed to you know um, uh, certainly your event where it was it was very clear that 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 set the tone. It was uh, you know it was a a a, a, a sunrise. Um, ceremony that then set the tone for the the next uh, you know two or three days of the event, which is which is very different. Um, I guess that goes back to the point that you know you've made earlier and you've made before when we chatted about uh, it being something being performative as opposed to being substantial. Right. Yeah. yeah we, we we see it. You know, in 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 our gatherings, we also in our ceremonies, we also see. Um, People sitting around a circle. We see uh, women in their ribbon skirts, and we see uh, a lot of hugging and embracing, and and really just enjoying each other's conversation and listening. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's what. Yeah, we're going to continue to do that, and 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 we're always looking for ways to better um, our approach. But um, yeah, we're 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 definitely learning as we go. But we think we've got something that's uh, quite quite a special experience for people coming next year. Mm -hmm. Great. So overall, uh, <laughs> if you if you look at the uh, sort of the, the the plans that FNPA has uh, and how you'd like to see um, the the energy transition 
evolve uh, in Saskatchewan and elsewhere where the FNPA uh, is uh, engaged. Um, how optimistic are you uh, as you look to the future? I mean, obviously, you're, 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 you, there is a level of optimism because I see you plugging away at this all the time. But, but how optimistic are you? And you know, and 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 what is that future going to look like when we, when we, when we get there? I I would see uh, mainstream educational institutions and research institutions um, attract uh, Indigenous uh, young people uh, to careers that are are the writings on the wall we we are we do have a workforce transition we do have a skilled labor shortage in canada yeah. and we do have a shortage of uh, entrepreneurs and capital in where we're competing against the world we're competing against the inflation reduction act in the united states yeah right there's so many market pressures but if we can find a way uh, to attract our share of the capital building for infrastructure we require and the skills to help build uh, that infrastructure, the sky's the limit for our country and the sky's the limit for indigenous communities if they're meaningfully a part of that. And I see some I see some advances in terms, okay, I get it. We have to have indigenous ownership in, in this transmission line mm -hmm. or, or this pipeline or, or whatever it is. Right. And so um, I'm looking for, I'm looking for that, that talent. Mm -hmm. uh, that talent has to replace me one day as the chief executive officer. But in talking with our good friend Ken at at uh, at um, at Ontario Power Generation, uh, I think our dream is to see Indigenous people in the senior levels and in the boardrooms as a, a C-suite and executive level. Mm -hmm. We're just going to do our part, and it does take time. So I have to be optimistic that we're doing the right thing. Right. And if we're not doing the right thing, how can we uh, how can we alter our path so that we can we can do the right thing? Mm -hmm. So my, my message to to many others in the electricity industry is to is to embrace that change. Mm -hmm. And so um, the best way to engage with young people uh, is to hire them and and right. find ways to mentor them. Yeah. Yeah, and I know um, that that's that's been a focus for you for a very long time, and I'm I've always been impressed by some of the some of the the, the members of of your team that you've you know you've brought to different events. Um, you you've always got a a, a cadre of very young and very enthusiastic people that you uh, you uh, you are are bringing to to these events, whether it's the ones here in Canada or or at uh, Distributech. If, if you recall, we uh, we we met in Distributech in uh, in. In, in the states and at the beginning of the year yeah yeah oh no, they're they're lovely um it's their home away from home we're at the first nations university of canada as our main office right uh we're recruiting hiring new people in ontario to be at the sutina nation uh, taza developments just west of calgary right um uh continuously looking for young talent in in ontario um, and even new brunswick as well mm -hmm. so so for us um we're we're hopeful that we'll we'll land on and 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 bring more more people to the circle of, of FNPA. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guy. One of the things that uh, I ask folks that come on the podcast is for a book recommendation. Oh. Uh, and, and so we 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 put all those book recommendations together and we we stick them stick them on our our uh, our, our website and we call it the the Flux Capacitor Book Club. So uh, would there be a book? 
that you think we uh, we should add to our uh, to our reading list, add it to our book club? Well, you know, I I um, I did have one, and um, it's a book that is on the United States electricity grid, and I'm going to forget the author now because I'm drawing a blank. Um, but it, but it's all about how the United States advanced their their infrastructure, their uh, interstate um, uh, infrastructure, uh, a, a really a, a, um, like a warlike effort mm -hmm. to build infrastructure in that country. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the author escapes me, even the title escapes me now, but that's ultimately what we need here. We, we need a warlike effort to right. ensure that indigenous folks are a part of the uh, new economy, the clean energy economy, and all the transitions that are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll get you that, and I'll send that to you so that you can uh, you can uh, share it with some of your listeners. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 yeah we'll we'll take that out and we'll include it on the uh, on the show page. That's great, yeah. Guy. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure to to uh, to chat. Uh, look forward to being able to do it face to face. Uh, if uh, if the airlines uh, don't conspire against us uh, the next time we're supposed to be in the same city. But I really appreciate you taking the time to, to jump on the Zoom call and to come on the podcast. I certainly enjoy your leadership and what you do at Electricity Canada. So uh, thanks very much for the opportunity today. Awesome. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future episodes. Please take the time to rate the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen and let me know what you think of the Flux Capacitor. You can find me on Twitter or X as at Brad Bradley. The website for this pod is thefluxcapacitor.ca and it includes links for this episode on the show page, this being episode 82. And while you're there, check out the book club page, which provides info and links on the books which have been recommended by guests of the Flux Capacitor, including Guy's recommendation, The Grid, The Fraying Wires Between Americans and Our Energy Future by Gretchen Backey, which we're adding to the Flux Capacitor book club list. And let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.